You'll have a customer walking in for that quick win. The cheat, you know, a way to get your customer in there and, you know, grab some share. I mean, SEO was very much that way early on. How can we fool the system and trick our customers in coming to our website? You know, I think all that's dead ends. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Foremost Media Marketing Chat Podcast. We're really excited. Uh, we have a guest here today, Kevin Palowski. He is the Marketing Communication Manager uh, at ITW Contamination Control Electronics. So he's in charge of the marketing communications for, for TechSpray and Chemtronics. And, you know, we've worked with Kevin for a while now. He's got a lot of great marketing insights, and we're excited to have him here. So we want to thank you for joining us. And Hoping you could just start off the conversation explaining a little bit about how you found yourself you know, at your current position there. Well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, marketing communications manager. I'm just uh, responsible for all the, the forward-facing, customer-facing materials. So they can be brochures, ca- uh, catalogs, the internet, of course, websites, all of that, and, and, and all the advertising. Uh, I've found myself in this position. I've been at TechSpray 20 years and uh, had a very rudimentary uh, website uh, way back when, when I started. And so uh, we've kind of developed uh, more of a content marketing, more of an aggressive approach on the internet uh, past, I don't know, about six, five, six years. And so that's morphed into a very major part of my job to where um, the internet type of activities, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago would have been a very minor thing. Now it's, boy, it's probably three quarters of my job. So that's, so that's where I find myself in my current position. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we've all seen a lot of that change, you know, over the course of, especially the past few years specifically. I mean, is that, if you had to point to what you think the biggest change that you've seen going back, you know, how long you've been at your current position, do you say that that's probably the biggest change is just the overall website itself or are there specific aspects about the, you know, internet marketing and things like that that you're working on? That's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly, when we started doing websites, it used to be, okay, let's put a, a, a catalog on the, the internet, right? And so, you know, websites, first generation, that's basically what it was, was you know, business cards and catalogs mm-hmm. sitting there parked on the internet. Where it really shifted was, well, how can we reach out to customers and serve them from, with this tool versus just parking materials there? And so it's almost like, and you keep in mind, I'm a, I'm a traditional marketer, so I think in traditional marketing terms, uh, it's almost like going from a catalog, leave behind catalog mindset to a trade show mindset to where, how are you going to get people to your booth? How are you going to engage them at your booth? And how are you going to get their information and continue that relationship? So it seems like, you know, early days internet was more of a drop off a catalog at the front desk. And I'm speaking very much in B2B terms. Um, And going to that trade show approach. Uh, That's kind of a good illustration, I think, of, you know, where the the big paradigm shift was in terms of B2B marketing. Right. So you're trying to make it more more interactive. It's not just this is what we do, this is what we have. It's helping people find the information that they're looking for and, and kind of having that website be that guide. 
Yeah, and also the overall objectives. Uh, boy, I remember early days on the internet, it was all about um, keeping people from contacting us, that we wanted to put all the information on the internet so they wouldn't bother us for that information. And that was almost the objective, yeah. as easy as that sounds now. Um, and I can't tell you exactly when it shifted, but, you know, it, eventually it shifted to, oh, my gosh, we want these people engaged with this. You know, and, and maybe I, I was behind the times and maybe companies were doing that 20 years ago on the Internet. But our approach definitely had a shift, you know, over the past decade or so uh, from those mindsets. Well, and being able to recognize that shift and, and capitalize on it now, right? Being able to get those leads, like you were saying, and have that website perform the way that it needs to in today's age, I think it's going to be really critical and something you've done a great job of. I'd love to get your opinion on, on what's next, right? So if you're able to identify what was going on and what was changing and being able to shift the website and some of your approaches to marketing for it, what do you think is going to be happening right, in the next five years? What's going to challenge manufacturing marketers at manufacturing companies? Hmm. Let me think about that for a second, Evan. Basically, what I'm seeing is the biggest challenge, at least in the digital space, is privacy. Um, I, I see that as we're trying to get my head around, you know, how can we continue to target uh tighter and tighter, uh, which gives us the, you know, the tighter we are able to target, the better our ROIs in the program. Um, you know, how can we continue to do that with um, the ratcheting up of, you know, the privacy and keeping in mind that, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a proponent of really creepy marketing uh, like that Google or that campaign where that Google guy is hanging over someone's shoulder uh, you know, watching what they're doing. Um, you know, I'm not all for that. <laughs> but if there's a way to uh, target in a macro sense in the you know, industry title, whatever, and keep it anonymous and still allow us to target, uh, I, I think it's to everybody's benefit, uh, even if, you know, um, politicians, whatnot, um, like to rail on privacy issues, you know, the reality is, you know, all this great content, somebody has to pay for it. And if they continue, you know, if the privacy locks it up to where we can't target to our customers and we're back to the old school of broadcast network where you just throw your message to the wind, um, it, it's going to be a challenge for everybody to, to justify the spends so I, yeah, I think that that's some of the challenges in the next five years that we're going to have to figure out that, of course, we're in the middle of, of working out. Mm -hmm. so I, I think that you bring up a great point with the privacy. I think it's twofold. Really, you have a much more educated base online understanding what's happening, you know, how their data is being used and how they're being marketed to. You know, they're a little bit more educated on that now, whether it's through the you know, Netflix documentaries, right? Cambridge Analytica, things like that that have been happening. Uh, but then also, you know, you have, uh, you know, the regulations and some of the different changes, you know, that these platforms are, are implementing too, where, you know, iOS, the, the, the updated versions of it, now they're giving you the option 
to not have the apps track it. And Facebook is already dealing with a lot of the ramifications of having less data available to advertisers based on, you know, the, the, the veil of privacy. Now you can say, is it going to be because Apple just wants to have their own ad, ad data, that information they don't want to share with other people? You know, you, you've got this shift towards a cookie-less internet, which has been what's really been relied on a lot of a lot of the targeting. So, you know, with that, I mean, how is that something that I guess you're thinking about and and approaching that challenge itself? Right? Is it is it just hoping that it's, you're going to get enough data, enough information now while it's still somewhat the wild west, even though it's shifting? Or do you have another kind of plan in place for that? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the content marketing strategy does play into that because that's that's more along the organic realm. So, you know, that the privacy issue doesn't necessarily impact that so much. Um, you know, so adding value to your customers, giving them something to find you, you know, uh, because certainly the privacy issues uh, makes it challenging to reach out to them. So they're going to have to reach out to us. And so, you know, we've got to have a, pretty compelling uh, website uh, with material there to, to get them in there and then somehow get the word out in some you know, economical way. And I, and I you know, stress economical because well, you guys know all too well how I'm about the economical stuff, but long-term, if the ROI is not there, it's not viable. You know, um, you know the old saying of, I, you know, you know, I know what half my uh, advertising dollars, what they do, and the other half, I don't. You know, I know that's not the exact same. It doesn't play so well, you know, especially in the B2B side where we're not used to, you know, throwing money to the wind. I mean, we're, we're competing against uh, for resources, rather departments. Hey, there's a new machine that they need to invest in, so capital investment. Uh, you know, the, the economy is down. You know, should we be cutting a marketing budget? And, and what keeps from that is, uh, you know, positive ROI. And, you know, marketing of showing our value. And so if it's difficult to target customers and we're not able to measure, uh, you know, that positive ROI, yeah, it gets to be real challenging in marketing because then you, your budgets can get cut and you've got less to play with, you know, to build the business. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Well, and I think so much of marketing, you know, especially with, uh, you know, and manufacturing departments has seen a shift over the years, you know, like you mentioned, how it isn't just the arts and crafts department, you know, that just makes things look good. Yeah, it's a revenue generating department and we can prove it. We can show with the metrics, with the data, start to target the right people. And you do lose some of that as you lose some of the, you know, tracking capabilities and some of the abilities to target people with specific advertising and being able to do that. Um, it, it, I know that you mentioned that, you know, you, you've got the, the old school kind of marketing mindset and mentality too with approach to this. How much of that do you think starts to fall back then on, you know, creative tactics where it's not necessarily whoever can figure out how to target the, the right people. It's who can get the, the best messaging, right? While targeting people and everything else, you start to have the creative start to stand again, like it used to. Yeah, well, you got that, and, and you know, and that's a good point. I mean, you know, if if we've got to really refine our message to dial up our ROI, 
uh, yeah, certainly making sure we're on point uh, gets to be all that more critical. You know, we put a message out there, yeah, it better perform. Uh, so, you know, maybe we do more A-B testing. Uh, you know, the, the equivalent, you know, in the old school would be, you know, A-B testing through direct mail, you know, where we're, you know, spending more money on a, on a mail drop. And so, you know, being really careful on how many pieces we send out for our A-B testing uh, before we go all out, you know, that was a very carefully thought through thing where, not to say it's not done on the PPC side, but maybe it's done much more carefully uh, if it's not, if it's not as targeted, not as, uh, you know, where you're hitting a wider audience and you've got to do a bigger spend to hit the, you know, your target market. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So with 30 years experience in marketing, what are you, or what success are you most proud of that you've had throughout your career? Yeah, I've got kind of an obscure success I'm pretty proud of. I I call myself the father of uh, spam. So, you know, you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this was, I I was in the floral business, uh, uh, floral hard goods, vases and stuff. Um, There's an FTP FTP system called the Mercury system where you, um, florists were sending orders to each other across the country. And I read an article that, hey, you could put an an ad through, or you could put a message out there, not an ad, a message. And I'm like, okay, I got one of those systems and I pushed out a message to uh, 16,000 florists and uh, it it was a crazy success. It was the first time anybody ever advertised on that system. (laughs) So I had this big... (laughs) Big dot matrix uh, message, you know, with asterisks instead of pixels, you know, uh, to do a big price point uh, going through their system that was intended for orders to come through. So, you know, 100% of people were, uh, were, were looking at it. And so, yeah, the phones shut our phone. <laughs> first test launch of it of shut our phone systems down and, and uh, it was for a new product and it really gave us a, a leg up on uh, market share for that product. So, yeah, I was, I was really proud of that. Uh, that's great. See, and that's a, it's a great example, right? Spam, clearly, like you said, you invented spam, which is pretty <laughs> impressive, but you know, just thinking outside the box uh, and, you know, just even thinking to try to get that message out there to those people through that system. That, that's really smart. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, similar to what you're, you know, we were talking about with privacy is, I mean, there's solutions out there in terms of privacy. We just have to get more clever, um, you know, at targeting. Um, it, it's, you know, for companies like you, it's an opportunity to differentiate yourself, come up with some new solutions. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not despondent about all, you know, the privacy, you know, ratcheting up all that. It's, it's, you know, there are opportunities to set it, set yourself apart from your competition for us to set ourselves from our competition in our industry, you know, so it's harder for us, it's harder for them and we just have to outthink them. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, so solutions like that, you know, I think can help. So I guess to that point too, I mean, what do you think marketing wise, at least everyone in, you know, the manufacturing industry should start doing? In terms of marketers in general, uh, I just continuity, continuity in your program. Uh, you know, you, you come up with a strategy, 
and within the organization get the buy-in on that strategy and you got to just year after year keep going assess tweak refine but build uh what i've seen in in past companies past efforts um where, where i think we're doing well now is um staying with the program so you know markets go up markets go down uh the you know but you've got to stay to the plan and you've got to keep hammering it. Uh, if you cut the budget and then, oh, you know, market's up, the budget goes up, that's not a way to build uh, a program. So, so I, I do think you know, the continuity is key in, in a successful marketing program. Yeah, tying it all together. You know, it's not just this do this, do that, and have no, you know, it's not strategically working together with those different channels. I, I think that that's a great point. Yeah, well, it, so, it, that speaks to, like, the complexity of, of a marketing program, uh, you know, all the things that are plug, plug in together, you know, let's say you're setting up a digital strategy, um, and you're looking at what's ahead of you, where do you start? You start the first step and, and that's where the continuity comes in is you're not going to get there at the first step you're gonna you know you got to keep hammering away keep plugging until you you build that so your content marketing strategy starts with the first article then at the second and you got to build it it's not going to happen in one month and uh, well you know not to disparage our competition uh, but you know I, what i see a lot is uh hey we're going to really attack this digital marketing and I see them jump up in the ranking and then, you know, they drop, uh, you know, after a year. Uh, well, the, the winner is going to be whoever's in there year after year, month after month. Uh, that's, that's really key. Yeah, sticking with it. You know, I, I think that we see that a lot also, right, is that there's, we've got a whole segment of people that just expect quick wins. You know, I just have to write it and they'll come to me. You know, I don't have to do any of the, the work yep. behind it or, or building up that sort of authority, you know, uh, that my website can have. And then others that, you know, seem to start to have success and all of a sudden think, oh, I'm done, right? I'm already ranking. I've already got it. I can take my foot off the gas. But it's, uh, you know, as you know this, you're not operating in a silo. You know, everybody's always competing. Everybody's always trying to get that, that leg up. So do you think that it's more of a getting buy-in sort of an issue that people would face or is it just lack of understanding? I think how everything works together. Well, I think buy-in is, is, a, is a good way to put it because in, in the B2B world, at least uh, you generally don't see CMOs. You generally don't have marketing running the show uh, in a B2B industrial kind of company. There, there, I'm sure there's exceptions out there, um, but that's generally not how it works. Uh, you, you may be a part of sales, um, you know, generally, but a lot of times it's, it's not its own department. Um, so it's in some ca cases, it's an afterthought it's, or it's marketing stuff. It's a catalog. It's, it's whatever. Um, and so to have a little more, um, broader view of marketing and the importance of that and how it affects how you touch your customers and all that, and, and then get that buy-in that there's a value there to a business, business organization. Yeah, I think is, is very key. Now, one thing you did mention that kind of sparked something was the quick win is, uh, you know, you'll have a customer walking in for that quick win, the cheat, 
you know, a way to get your customer in there and, you know, grab some share. I mean, I see that a lot in digital marketing is how can we cheat our customers into giving them us their information or, or, you know, different ways that it seems like to trick, you know, SEO was very much that way early on of how can we fool the system and trick our customers in coming to our website. Um, you know, I think all that's dead ends. And, um, and I, I think Google, you know, Google's job, a lot of what they do with their updates and stuff is, is to squeeze all that out of the system. So, you know, again, touches on the continuity thing is, you know, coming up with the strategy, you know, in your objectives, you know, you know, finding objectives that we all, you know, your whole organization can agree on and uh, the right objectives, you know, so you know, lined up with what your customers need is, is key. Yeah, not just going after the, the, the easy win to trick somebody. That's coming from, you know, somebody who, his biggest success was spam related to, yeah. <laughs> just to show how everything. A good point. Yeah, that was, yeah. I, I, that's a great point. Yeah, I did did kind of well, but you know, in, in reality, though, the message. In all fairness, the message did win the day, but that is an excellent point. Yeah, I had a I had a big price point, uh, and that's what it was: is a giant price that was a cheap price. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying that was a hundred percent the high road. But, you know, it's early career. you got to give it to me. Well, hey, sometimes I think that as marketers, there's too much, this is the right way to do things. This is the way that we should do it just because there's so many blogs out there saying best practices and, you know, so much of other people's studies and data that, you know, a lot of people rely on. And I'm not saying rightfully so. You know, I think that there's a lot of good information there that you should know and have that starting point for it. But, at the end of the day, marketing is what works, right? Or at least effective marketing is whatever is going to, you know, accomplish the objective without hurting and tarnishing the brand. You know, you made, you made great points about, you know, tricking customers and things like that and how you used to be able to trick Google. And while there's still temporary tricks, <laughs> maybe that'll be short-lived, the, the long-term penalties get to be a lot harder. But, you know, still being able to, you know, think creatively and, and uh, different ways to approach, you know, SEO and paid advertising and just, you know, the overall marketing in general, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had some experience early days of, you know, the content marketing. Hey, content has to be 2000 words. And I had, I won't name names. It's, it's not you guys, uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if they read it. It just needs to be 2000 words. So I'm like, what you know it, it, people need to read this and google pays attention as, as we all know is you know whether people are actually reading it staying on the page are they engaged you know but yeah this thing of it needs to be 2000 words needs to have you know x number of backlinks and stuff it needs to make sense it needs to add value to whoever's reading it uh, i think that's what's going to win at the end of the day yeah well google's so much smarter now than it was i mean before you had to put those keywords in and stuff it because Google just, that's all it knew. <laughs> but now with all the data that it has and how much it understands and having its own browser and Chrome and Google Analytics and you know, being on a, a large amount of sites, you know, there's just so much data and information that's out there and available. And Google's so smart now when it comes to it, it's able to understand, you know, the, the, the natural language processing and things like that you know, that go into you know, what's on the page, what's being read, what's going to be relevant for the actual words themselves or the users themselves. Yeah, 
That's a good point. Is you know, any are any of us smart enough to out outthink Google when it comes to search? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I won't claim for myself, at least. I can't speak for you guys, but yeah, I'm not going to outthink Google. You know, it's a matter of figuring out what Google's rewarding, what 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 their objectives is. You know, because they're Google's trying to um, take care of their customers, right? They're trying to you know get people to the information they want, and so they get paid through advertising. And so our job is to kind of facilitate that. If we do that, Google will reward us. If we don't. You know, if we try to trick the system, you know, and, and try to trick their customers, uh, it's not going to work in our favor. Why? Because it's not in Google's interest, you know. So the next update, it's gone. Right. And I think any any marketer out there that's been doing it long enough, you know, is going to have their own failures. Things that they thought were perfectly laid plans or maybe not really thought out that well, but just thought they'd see if it worked or not. Curious, you know what's your biggest marketing failure that you've had, right? And then what did you learn from that? Yeah, I'm not going to say it's my biggest or most expensive uh, marketing failure, but it, there's a story to it is, is um, I worked for an air conditioning company. Uh, our position was uh, you can make your decisions on your air conditioning buys, speaking to the retailers, uh, that you're uh, close, closer to the season. Because a lot of times uh, buyers, retail buyers would have to buy the year before. How do you know it's going to be a hot or cold year, right? And so that was our position, our value statement is you can order it a few months ahead of the season or something like that. And so I printed uh, up some magic eight balls as a sort of a, a joke with some creative content with it. Hey, we're not asking you to predict the future, right? Uh, so, you know, playing along with that with the magic eight ball. And so I bought a thousand of these things and uh, our salespeople had no idea what to do with it. It was got a, what the hard lesson here is I can get cute and creative, but it's all about, you know, who's going to have to carry that message out, you know? And so if you've got uh, sales reps that are in front of the customers and you're expecting them to convey this messaging, it better be compatible with, you know, what, what they're comfortable with, you know, the, the style, well, the brand, the, you know, everything. It has to all work together uh, because it's really easy as uh, marketers for, um, you know, us to create material. And this is more on the traditional type of materials that, are, you know, the salespeople aren't going to use. Uh, so I basically donated as an <laughs> charities <laughs> orphanages and <laughs> still like orphanages that have like a, a case of vape balls uh, in the back <laughs> wait that, that toy still gets a little bit of play i was actually surprised that uh my kids came home it was probably only a couple months ago now and they came home with a magic eight ball showing it to me and telling me how how cool it was and asking it questions <laughs> Yeah, well, and I, I've got one up, you know, on my shelf, and it, it, it really is a reminder of not to get ahead of myself, not to get too clever, uh, you know, because creative folks, we get in love with our own concepts and stuff, and uh, you got to stay grounded with, uh, you know, your market, your customer, you know, your salespeople, all of that. It just has to work together. Yeah, well, it's great advice, and I think that. Like you said, it's uh, it's easy to be clever sometimes when you're creative, but if it's not clear, it's probably not going to work. 
uh, I, on the website side, you know, uh, those flash driven uh, websites used to drive me crazy or, you know, where, you know, there's, there's a lot of bells and whistles. You, you, know, you can add to websites and stuff that can kind of get in the way. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's a matter of what's adding value. Is it, you know, is it really fitting in the message? Uh, I mean, something on, at least on the B2B side, I mean, I, I don't sell apparel and I don't sell, um, lifestyle kind of brands, you know? And so, you know, what I'm selling the website, all of that has to serve a, a, a real purpose. And so, yeah, if the messaging gets in the way. Yeah, it's got to be changed. Yeah, and it's uh, something that we say a lot, right, is that design without any sort of function is just art. And when you're designing a website for B2B, right, industrial manufacturing sort of websites, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble trying to have the flashiest website around that's maybe going to win a few awards. You know, you need to make sure that it's clear (laughs) that people know where to go, that it's still visually appealing, of of course, but it's not just those those flashy websites that are just meant to impress, you know, judges at advertising awards. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, this has been great. I think you got a, a ton of uh, really good insights here. Anything you want to leave us with? Um, well, yeah, I think as, you know, on the marketing communication side, I think it's just really important that, your the partners you're working with, you know, with Foremost Media, of course, uh, your creative team, uh, you know, whether you're in, in-house freelancers or whatever, but, you know, that's a partnership and yeah, you've got to treat them right. And you've got to, um, the communication has got to be fluid. Um, a lot of back and forth, I think goes a long way because, you know, uh, from inside an organization, I know my products, I'm bringing in other people to fill in the gaps on getting the message out, whether it's writing an article or whatnot, but they know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. Somehow we better work together rather than just direct. Uh, and I, I think that's really key in terms of, you know, getting quality out there. It's going to really, uh, you know, really move this, move the needle. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that, I'm biased, of course, but I agree with you 100%. I think that the, that the proof is there and you have that collaborative partnership and everything else that goes along with it. You know, you can do some really exciting things. Yep. John, you out there? I'm here. You guys were just flowing so well. I just thought I'd listen in. I was taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to add any any couple of remarks or any questions for Kevin? You know, I think one of the things that I've learned a lot about working with Kevin is, you know, to be honest, I think Kevin is a great communicator and, and he really gets the fact that he needs to be as involved as the SEO company or the marketing company as well, because we're not experts in his, you know, area and he's not experts in, you know, digital marketing necessarily or, or you know, uh, SEO. So, you know, I think it's, it's been a really successful relationship because Kevin's involved. He's, you know, willing to produce content. He's sharing with the team, the successes and the failures and, you know, really got, got um, buy-in from his team. And, you know, so hats off to Kevin for, you know, all his hard work on, you know, it's helped make this project really successful and the work we've done with him in the past. So. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think what well, we've been working together with about 10 years, John. Yeah. I think it's been at least 10. So. 
lots of changes over those years too. Yeah, <laughs> Stuff we used to try for SEO <laughs> doesn't work now. And <laughs> oh, my budget, I think my budget was like starting out with two fifty a brand or something. Yeah, we were pretty pretty slim at the beginning, but you know, you stuck with it and gave us time to work, and you know, we started to see results. And, you know, I didn't buy in at first. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I was, it's crazy to think about, but yeah, I was not necessarily convinced that it was worthwhile. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, yeah. It's, were, were you surprised at how long some of it took to develop and how long, you know, because I think a lot of people are in their perception, you put up an article and, you know, it gets indexed right away and you get traffic. Um, you know, were you surprised at that when we initially started, how long some of this takes to develop and how it builds on each other? Hmm. Yeah, probably if I say uh, no, you guys will, uh, you know, remind me how much I was jumping on you about. Results. <laughs> well, I mean, you've, you've always been patient, but I think, <laughs> I think, like I said, I think a lot of people that, you know, don't know much about, you know, especially content marketing are really surprised that that's not an instantaneous process. And it, it kind of snowballs over time. And I think you guys have really seen that in your, you know, marketing efforts as well that you know as you get momentum you become more of an authority about a topic you know rankings just continue to pile in so yeah i think i mean thinking back too it wasn't just writing an article and pop it out there yeah there was all that keyword work we did and uh boy i just remember looking you know at how much content we had to build to make a a mark and it was just overwhelming you know to look yeah. at it and what we did was, uh, you know, my goal was two articles per brand, so text break chemtronics uh, a month, and I and um, I, I cut back on that. Uh, now we're cranking more than that, uh, but um, but yeah, it was a matter of chipping away, chipping away. I don't remember feeling terribly um, impatient about um, results because I think we got we had. Uh, had a few pieces that really took off pretty early. And I think that's maybe what, what helped. Yeah. I think one of the things you guys have going for you is that you are a well-established brand, you know, just from your traditional marketing activities and your name. And so you had a lot of good backlinks and, you know, it's a big site with a lot of it, good information to begin with. It just wasn't, you know, really well optimized. So we were able to get some quick wins just by focusing on, you know, some of the stuff that just wasn't quite presented right for search engines and a good keyword strategy. So it made it a little easier to get momentum, I think, from the beginning, but. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate your time today, Kevin. Thank you for the insight. Pleasure. Anything else? All right. Well, good talking to you, Kevin. Appreciate it. No, I think we're good. All right. Anything else you guys need, just let me know. Um, but yeah, you guys are, you guys are still rocking it. You can quote Thanks. me on that. You guys are rocking it. Have a good one. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Foremost Media Marketing Chat Podcast. If you want to stay on top of your marketing game, make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more episodes, show transcripts, and marketing insights, go to foremostmedia.com.